Nobody cares about your money more than you do. Not your financial advisor, not your banker, not your life insurance agent, nobody but you. Only I can become the obstacle in my own path to financial freedom. Others cannot keep me down. Others, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, they cannot touch me if I don't let them. Your hands on the wheel, your hands on the, your feet on the gas pedal and the brake and whatever, you direct your own life. You direct it. So you just have to be very clear on what are your intentions? What are your true intentions? And stay grounded to those intentions. We are so excited to hear, have you here at the Investiva movement, where our mission is to help 1 million moms take control of their financial future by making their money work for them. Susie, welcome. Thank you. Now, I have a correction to your mission, if I can. Go for it. Ready? It's, if your, your mission is to have 1 million women. Why would you limit it to 1 million? So add the words at least 1 million. Because if 5 million women are meant to come your way or 10 million or whatever, but if you say 1 million, you may be limiting yourself to that because the first lesson here is that our words and our thoughts are more powerful than we have any idea. They have the power to create. They have the power to destroy. They also have the power to limit us. And so just add the words that your mission is to have at least 1 million and go on from there. Okay. We love it. We just got scratched everybody on my team. Did you hear it? From now on, our mission is to help 1 million moms and more. Yeah. So at Five least 1 million, just say at least, at least 1 million. There you love go. Love it. There you okay. go. We are already learning. And one of my burning questions really is to learn what made Susie Orman, Susie Orman, because I know that you didn't come from a lot. And in fact, you kind of had a bad experience with a financial advisor, which kind of is relatable to me because I got screwed over as well. So can you please tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, um, but the real answer to what has made Susie Orman, Susie Orman, is Susie Orman. You know, so many times people say to me, we're going to be the next Susie Orman. We want to be just like you. And I look at them and I go, no, you don't. You want to be just like you. So I never wanted to be like Jane Bryan Quinn or the one or two women that did come before me. I wanted to be what was right for me. So, so I did things my way and I said things my way and I stood in the truth and I said things, even though people would go, what did she just say? Like, is she on one of these shows calling somebody popcorn, you know, pop tart, sweetheart? They didn't know what to do with me on any level. So that's what made me, me is me. Now to know what makes you, you, you have to know who you are. 
So it's very important, women, if you're listening to me right now, stop asking others what they think. What do you think about this? What's your opinion on this? You need to know your own thoughts. You need to know who you are. You need to know every single thing about you. And there is nothing about you. There is no shame or blame big enough to keep you from being who you are meant to be. So you have to just be willing to tell everybody who you are. And that doesn't mean everything about you is going to be great and rock solid. There's a lot of things that are just real life. So if you just present your real life to everybody, they will always identify with you. My story goes all the way back to, um, I grew up on the South side of Chicago and I had a speech impediment. I couldn't pronounce my R's, S's or T's. So words such as beautiful came out as boobital. Because I could not really speak, I couldn't really read either. And so back then in the 50s, remember now I am 70 years of age. I look good, don't I? That is besides the point. Well, let's give but, it up. But back in the 50s, when you went to school, they would give you reading exams and they would seat you according to the score on your reading exam. So because I couldn't speak and I couldn't, I always had the worst grade. So there my good friends were in the first row, first, second, and third seat. And there was little Susie Orman, the last seat in the sixth row. So I knew I was stupid. I knew I was dumb. So why should I even try? And I never did try. I didn't try through college. I didn't try through anything. I don't even think I got a grade above a C when I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And after four years there, I got in my van that my brother lent me $1,500 to buy with my girlfriend at the time. And we headed out towards California to find our fortune, living in that van for approximately three months on the streets. We had all kinds of jobs that were just crazy to make money. We had no money. And finally, I got my dream job, a waitress at the Buttercup Bakery in Berkeley, California, where I was a waitress from the age seriously of 23 all the way to almost 30. And it was during that time that I realized, oh my God, all of my ideas are making the owners of this bakery all this money. So I wanted to open up my own restaurant. I wanted to have money as well. And to make a very long story short, the, my parents had no money. You know, my father was sick almost his entire life. He died at 71 all the way back in 1981. My mother was a secretary, sold Avon on the side. So we seriously, we had very little money, if any. And so there I was, and, and I had no place to go for money. And again, to make a long story short, all the customers I had been waiting on for seven years at the Buttercup Bakery gave me 50, that's 50, $5,000 to open up my own restaurant. I didn't know what to do with that money. They told me to take it down to the local Merrill Lynch, open up a money market account. I didn't know what Merrill Lynch was. I didn't know what a money market account was, but I did what they said. And again, to make a long story short, I was greeted by Randy, the broker of the day. And Randy was a crooked broker. And he asked me to sign all this paperwork. I said, sure. And within three months, all $50,000 was lost because he was trading the options market with that money. And now I had all of it gone. 
So now I didn't know what to do. So I thought, I know I can be a broker because they just make you broker, which I still kind of believe just so you know, but that is besides the point. Um, and so I went in and I thought, I know I can do this. I can do this. Then I had to do something to pay these people back. Went into Merrill Lynch. They hired me to fill their women's quota. There were no women at the time. I was told women belong barefoot and pregnant. I, of course, asked, how much are you going to pay me to make me pregnant? When they told me $1,500 a month, I went, whoa, because I was only making like $400 a month for seven years as a waitress. So they said, we'll pay you $1,500 a month, Susie, and we're going to hire you, but we're going to fire you in six months. Didn't take me long that six months at 1500 takes me over two years, essentially, at the Buttercup, which I wanted to go back to anyway, because I loved working there. I loved it. And so I took the job. And while I was working for them, I realized, or studying to be a broker, I realized what my financial advisor did was absolutely illegal. And and to, again, it's a very long story, but to make it as short as possible, I ended up suing Merrill Lynch while I worked for them to get the money back because I had nothing to lose. And I did it on the advice of the operations manager at Merrill Lynch at the time who told me to do so because I didn't even know to do that. Because I sued them, they could not fire me. In the two years that it took for the suit to come to court, I had become their number six producing broker in the Oakland office of Merrill Lynch. Peter, the manager at the time, went on to be regional manager. A new guy came in, looked at everything and said, this is crazy. Give this woman her money back. They gave me all $50,000 back plus 18% interest, which was the going interest rate back then. And I was able to pay everybody back that gave me that money. And that was the start of Susie Orman. So good. Thank you so much for sharing. This is so interesting in, on so many levels because literally the financial markets are still a boys club. It's less than before, but it's still that way. But what you said about brokers making you broker, that essentially happened to me too back when I was in Japan. I was like, oh my God, 2008 market crash happened. What am I going to do? Somebody told me, oh, you got to invest your money. Otherwise, you're going to lose your money to inflation. I'm like, I don't know how to invest. I gave my money to a broker. They screwed me over. All the money gone. Years later, when I got fired, I'm like, I want to get that money back. They're all like, oh, you have to pay this penalty. I'm like, it doesn't make even make any sense. I wasn't smart enough to go sue them. That would have been the smart move to do, but they were not even American-based. They were like an Isle of Men. It was a different kind of brokerage, but um, it's true. That's why here we are super passionate about helping women take control of their financial future because I believe nobody cares about your financial future and your money as much as you do. That's a direct quote for me, my love, in almost every single thing I've ever said is that nobody cares about your money more than you do. Not your financial advisor, not your banker, not your life insurance agent, nobody but you. And you will never be powerful in life until you are powerful over your own money, how you think about it, feel about it, and invest it. So that's just something to think about, right? Thank you so much, Susie, for sharing this story, because this also shows that what you were saying at the beginning of today's interview was 
don't take no for an answer and like just do you don't take for permission if they tell you that you're gonna you're belong you belong in the kitchen pregnant which is just so absurd and we still hear these things like I kid you not I still get these kind of comments on my social media almost on a daily basis people judging me because of my looks oh so this is how you got rich oh because you're a woman this is what you did to become rich all these things that actually like when then other women go to my social media and they see these comments they get scared from ever entering this field because they're like okay this, if this is the amount of hate I'm gonna take I'm gonna get if I'm in control of my own money what is my husband gonna say what is my brother or dad or like people in my life going to say so it, it still exists which is absurd so Susie do you have any comments for women who are actually ready to take control but they're scared yeah you know a while ago I wrote a book it was I think I've written 10 books and I have almost over 30 million copies of those books today out there um and it was, I believe it was in 2007, I wrote a book called Women and Money. So the million copies in the first few months and hardback went on and on and on. And it's still out there to this day, millions of copies later. What was key about that book is that money does not exist in just your life alone. That that there are other people in your life that deal with you and also end up dealing with your money. So you're always going to have to be in a position when it comes to money to be inclusive of others and not exclusive of them, especially if you are in a relationship. The reason that I talked about the Women in Money book is as I traveled the country, thousands of people would come to the book signings and some of them would be men. And they would say, we don't know why we're here. This is a book called Women in Money. And I would hold up the book and I would say, but if you go like this, and I would put my little fingers over the W and O, and I said, then it's men and money. We all need to understand more than just money. You need to understand how your, your spouse, your significant other, how they react with money and therefore how they're going to react with you. And we need to educate everybody. Because what happens if you educate yourself and you become very powerful and you know what you're doing with your money, but you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing with their money, they're going to get afraid. And before you know it, you're out of a relationship. So it can be scary if you are on this mountain all by yourself. But when you start to include everybody, with the desire of educating them and empowering them and having them learn with you, alongside of you, then you're not so alone. But, um, you know, I know you may think that you have it hard right now and everything, but think back to the 60s and the 70s and the 80s when there was nobody out there, especially a lesbian woman out there who was an out lesbian woman my whole life. And the threats that I got and the negative press, and especially when my book started to sell a million copies a month, right? People would start to write, male writers would write, oh, Susie the floozy, Susie this. She thinks spirituality has something to do with money. And they attack me in every possible way. So 
Barbara Walters gave me a really great piece of advice years ago when I was on The View with her. She said, Susie, never read any news about you. Don't read the good news. Don't read the bad news because you will get attached. If everybody's praising you and praising you, the day will come when everybody tries to tear you down. And that happens. And if you don't read it, if you don't pay attention to it, if you don't waste your time on what other people are saying, then there's nothing for you to be afraid of because you're not part of their craziness. I mean, I don't read anything. I don't read my Facebook post. I don't read any of it because I don't care. So I have a saying, let people think because they're going to think anyway. And they can think anything that they want about me. They can judge me in any way possible. They can say that my advice is simplistic. They can say anything they want to say. But only me, only Susie can stop me from being who I want to be. Only I can become the obstacle in my own path to financial freedom. Others cannot keep me down. Others, no matter what they say, no matter what they do, they cannot touch me if I don't let them. So part of your own personal power when you're reading these things or you're doing these things is to not read it what others say. Just don't read it. If you don't like them and they're on your site, delete them, block them. Who cares what they're going to say? Ghost them. But, but don't get caught up in others' opinions of who you are. That's why I said earlier, you have to know who you are. You have to know why you're doing what you're doing. If your intention is to get rich, great. If your intention is to get seriously rich, great. Who cares? If that's what you want, that's what you should have. You might find out when you're seriously rich, it's not all that it's cracked up to be, but it's sure a lot better than not having money that I'll tell you. <laughs> that is a great advice for sure. Um, Susie, this is very powerful and it is a great reminder. Like I know that there are like quotes out there every day that are like, hey, like do you and things like that, but you have lived this life. You have actually lived it and you've lived a good life, may I say. I heard once you said that you actually really love your life. My God, and, I love my life so much. I can't even stand it. And this shows like this mentality actually works. It's not just a quote on Instagram that don't listen to others. This is like living proof. Mm -hmm. Actual experience that somebody who actually is doing herself, being herself, not caring about what others think. Although you create a lot of value for others, that doesn't mean you're a mean person. You're not caring about what they say about you. That's right. So sometimes people think that, oh, I don't care about others means like just be mean to others. That, that's not what you're saying, correct? Yeah, it's, it's about, you know, I used to end the Susie Orman show every single Saturday night with people first, then money, then things was my saying. But I didn't mean about being generous and taking care of others and being, you know, putting everybody else in front of yourself. I meant you, women, especially, especially women of color. I mean, you, because you are so used to putting everybody before you. You care more about your spouse, your children, your parents, your employers, your employees, your pets and your plants than you do you. 
And what's very interesting about my podcast, which is really my true love of my life right now, we're just about to hit 15 million downloads in a very short period of time. So I'm really like, oh my goodness. But is the number of women who are 68, 78, and in their 80s, writing and asking questions. And it's, they have a place to go, but when to ask those questions and be there. But what's interesting about them, all of them, their emails start out with, my God, I raised a family. I did this, I did that. And then at the age of 55 and 60, I had nothing. And then of course my spouse left me and I had to start all over again, Susie Orman at 60. So it's really important that that you don't not care about people, obviously, of course, you're going to care about people. But everybody has their own opinion. And that doesn't mean that it's right for you. So I knew what I was doing. I knew why I was doing what I was doing. You know, I got ridiculed tremendously for going on QVC. Tremendously. Um, and but what was so fascinating about it, because I was on QVC for over 20 years. And we would do a million dollars an hour. And, but what was interesting about it is it was the only place, believe it or not, that I could be honest about what I was doing. I have a book to sell you. I have a program to sell you. I have this to sell you. It was, that is why I was there. And I wanted you to buy it because I know that if you bought it, it would help you versus you go on the Today Show for instance, or any of the shows, and you give an interview with wanting your book to be sold. That's the end result of why you're there, but you don't talk about it. You're under the guise of this is just an interview. And there's also, and, and so I remember after I would have a weekend on QVC where I would make a few million dollars in one weekend on QVC, and I walked into CNBC to do my show, and one of the anchors, main anchors, he's still there to this day and say, so you're still on QVC hawking your products? And I just looked at him and I said, you know, I just want to tell you, I made more in two hours on QVC this weekend than you make an entire year, sir. So if you want to talk about it, yeah, I was on QVC hawking my product and you should wish that you could be as well. And I just walked off. It was like, fine. So it, it's, are you understanding what I'm trying to say? You have to be proud 100%. of the decisions that you make in your life, regardless of how other people are going to judge them, regardless. And so that's all that really matters. And if you live your life like that, every move that you make like that, then somehow your life goes in the right direction against all odds it still goes in the right direction because you are the one directing it. You have both hands on the wheel versus somebody in the back seat saying, no, can you just turn left here? But no, I wanted to go straight. Oh, well then turn right. Your hands on the wheel, your hands on the, your feet on the gas pedal and the brake and whatever, you direct your own life. You direct it. So powerful. Thank you so much, Susie. And that is, by the way, so true. There is, for some reason, and I'm not saying everybody needs to do this, there is this negative connotation attached to sales. 
which is absolutely mind-blowing. And it's funny because I always thought if I ever go on TV, that's going to be it. I'm going to become a millionaire. I was being interviewed on TV for years and I was broke. <laughs> and until I learned the art of serving through selling, um, that is when I actually was able to serve more and make more money and then therefore help more people because right. now I able to actually run ads. <laughs> and but as long as you know what you're inspiring them to purchase, even more than selling to them, <clears throat> you're inspiring them to purchase, you know that it will help them. You know, before I do any interview, including this one, <clears throat> I always pray. And part of my prayer is may only the people who will benefit from my advice, listen to it. And may only the people who will benefit from my products, purchase them. If you're not going to benefit from it, I don't want you to do it because I do want to help you. And that is my goal. So it's just, it's an interesting thing. So a lot of people go out there and they sell to sell and they don't even care about what they're selling. They just want to sell like those who are selling, you know, whole life insurance policies or universal or variable. They're out there just, they're salespeople. They really knew how those products worked. They would never do that to somebody, never. But because they don't even understand what they're doing, they sell it and everybody buys it. So you just have to be very clear on what are your intentions? What are your true intentions? And stay grounded to those intentions. Love it. That's why women need to be empowered. You see, this is the intention behind selling. This is it. Thank you so much, Susie. You are amazing. Our live audience are going literally Google Gaga over here. They are taking a lot of nuggets of wisdom. We are going to come back with our next episode about retirement. Everybody who's watching this on YouTube, if you love this, go ahead and smash that like button, click on subscribe, and definitely go ahead and check out Susie's document. It's going to be in the description area of this video. You're going to love it. And until next time, make your money work for you. We have a tradition in our show that I ask all of our guests to make a silly face. Love it. <laughs> this is going to go. Like, really? <laughs> really, everybody?